to Tremendous Tales podcast with me, Liz Pichon. I write and draw children's books like the Tom Gates series and Shoe Wars. But right now, I'm going to be talking to the fabulous Katie Thistleton about her excellent snack of choice. I'm excited about that. No, I genuinely am. Katie will be telling us her tremendous tale and a tremendous fail because we all make mistakes. We'll be playing What's That Sound, um, recommending a tremendous book, and I'll be reading out some of your letters and admiring the drawings and doodles that you've been sending me. I'd love to hear about your tremendous tales too, so do drop me a line via my website, lizpichon.com, and tell me what you've been up to. Back to my guest today. Katie has and is doing so many things. She's hosted CBBC's live continuity, that's the bits in between the shows, for over six years, claiming the title of the longest-running presenter to occupy that role before leaving to concentrate on her work at Radio 1, where she now presents lots of different shows, including Life Hacks, the social action show with co-presenter Vic Hope. Katie has her own podcast for Life Hacks with the show's resident Dr Rada. Her debut book, Dear Katie, Real Problems, Real Advice was released in February 2018 and offers warm yet honest advice on the multitude of struggles that UK's children are facing. Katie is currently writing her second book. We'll ask her about that. She's passionate about mental health awareness and is an ambassador for charities, place to be and young minds and is currently training to be a counsellor. A keen bookworm herself, Katie founded and hosted her own show, The CBBC Book Club, for five years, which I've been lucky enough to be on. She often hosts and judges different book events, such as the Lollies for Scholastic, which is my publisher as well. And during lockdown in 2020, when schools were closed, Katie was chosen to be the main presenter of Fronting Bite Size Daily TV. The show's received record-breaking viewing figures. Is there no end to Katie's talents? Thank you so much for joining us, Katie. That was a big roll call. I love the introduction. I love it. It's my CV. It's great. I might just use that as my audible CV now. Whenever I'm (laughs) for any jobs, I'll just send Liz Pichon reading out everything I've done. It's amazing. Also, love the theme tune. Oh, you like it? Oh, that's that's down to Mark. But thank you so much for joining us, Katie. Like you really have done so many things. And I loved when I was reading the notes about you that you, um, you founded the CBBC Book Club. Yeah, so I I was chatting when I got my job on CBBC. I was talking to the controller at the time, Cheryl, and she was saying, you know, what's your kind of thing? What's the thing that you're really sort of into? And I said, well, books, you know, and Mm -hmm. and we don't really have we don't really have a place for them on CBBC. Blue Peter do kind of um, books for World Book Day and they'll do their book awards. But that's kind of just a couple of times a year. We don't have a regular sort of weekly show about books. And then that's how it was how it was sort of founded. And it's still going now, which is great. So my lovely um, co-presenter, Reese. now I've left, continues. Uh, oh, to, Reese. To oh, have you met? Sure <laughs> I've met Reese Reese as well. <laughs> he is just gorgeous. Yeah, such a lovely guy. So yeah, it was amazing. And that was how I got to meet loads of fantastic people like you, which was just Aww. great for me. I was, I'm, I'm one of those people who, you know, I'll meet sort of like a, a, a pop star at Radio 1 now, but I was more excited when I first met Jacqueline Wilson. Like, <laughs> I'm more oh. excited to meet authors. And especially I think the authors that you, um, you know, when, if you read their books when you were a child, yeah, <clears throat> like it's funny, isn't it? Because like I met Jack and Wilson, and I was like, well, with authors, you don't necessarily know what they look like, um, but you did for some reason with her. I think it's because there were illustrations of her in some mm. of the books, and but there's just this real sort of. I think books, if you are a reader, if you are a child that reads a lot, they're such a huge part of your upbringing. When you meet the person behind them, it's just yeah. I've I've always been really starstruck about that. I was going to say, were you always a keen reader when you were a child then? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, 
I feel like I was maybe didn't have a lot of confidence as a child. And I remember sort of thinking, oh, I don't feel like I'm the pretty kid or I can't sing or I can't dance or I'm not very good at any sport. I'm always terrible at any sport. Um, But then the thing that I was praised on was sort of my reading and my writing. And I think that's why I kind of wanted to set out and do that and have a creative career. I, I remember one of my teachers in primary school saying to me, oh, you're really good at writing. You should be a writer. And I sort of went, all right then and from that moment on that was sort of what I wanted to be I wanted to be a a journalist wow I mean I remember I didn't even know that um that you know writing could be a job (laughs) when I was there I mean I loved you know I loved uh, reading books and drawing and stories but um I'm dyslexic or I was dyslexic when I was at school particularly and I just never even knew that it could be a job so I never even thought about it but so you actually had an idea about you knew exactly what you wanted to do that's quite unusual isn't it well I I did but actually having said that one of my uncles said to me I remember it so well at a party he was like what do you want to be when you're older and I said I want to be an author I want to write children's books and he said to me you can't really make much money doing that (laughs) so he said to me Think, he said, unless you're J.K. Rowling, you're not going to make much money doing that. So have a think of a job where you can write all the time. And then, then I sort of went, oh, OK, I'll be a journalist. I'll write for newspapers and magazines and things. And and I sort of really sort of practically set up on that route as like, I found a diary once, Liz. It's hilarious. Yeah. I found a diary. It was one of those that you get. It's like a British Airways one or something that you fill out on the plane that you get in a kid's pack. And it said, my name is Katie. My age is seven. When I grow up, I want to be a journalist. And I found it. And I thought, that's hilarious that seven-year-old wanted to be a journalist you know why didn't I want to be an astronaut or something (laughs) why did a seven-year-old want to be a journalist and then that's what I went on to actually do but I definitely um I I didn't realize I had no idea I suppose that I I just thought a journalist was someone who went and wrote for newspapers like what you see in the films I guess and I didn't think I could do what I do now where I do radio and, and documentaries and things like that to be fair your uncle probably had a bit of a point yeah, it's, he did. It's, not, it's, it's quite, it's, it does take a while, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. He was, he was very practical about it. But it's funny, it's like finding, when I think about what I'm doing now as well, I, I, my child, you know, the, the 10-year-old self just wouldn't believe that this was a job, that oh, actually you could, you could write funny stories, you could draw pictures, you know, you could do all these other things. Like, I just would never have imagined ever that I'd be doing anything like that. And actually, I mean, Tom Gates is sort of kind of based on me when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons that I put um, snacks and things in is because I was always obsessed with food and snacks and sitting on the train coming back from school, thinking about what I was going to eat. <laughs> so we have a section in this podcast, which is called um, Snack Chat. Snack Chat. <laughs> and, you, <laughs> and you have very kindly, um, you've very kindly sent us, you've told us what your snack of choice is, um, which I have here. So would you like to tell us, Katie, what is your snack of choice and why have you chosen it? My snack of choice is always the Cadbury's cream egg. <laughs> and oh, I'm going like, hooray. Right, so has this always been, like, even when you were a kid, or is this something that, you know, you've just thought, I'm unwrapping. You know, I think I go through phases. I think everyone does, don't they? But I particularly go through a phase where I'm like, I'm obsessed with this one particular chocolate bar or this one particular type of crisps, and I'll eat it for weeks, and then I'll get sick of it, and I'll move on to something else. And and my boyfriend always says that when it gets around to, like, Easter or whatever, he's not really sure what to get me because I have a different (laughs) favourite. I'm like, this is my favourite now, and I will eat nothing but this, and then I change my mind again. But cream eggs have always been consistent in my life, yeah, I them. I think they divide people as well because uh, mm-hmm. I 
suppose they're yeah. quite simply, aren't they? There are a lot of people who don't like them, but for me, just the chocolate, the creaminess, oh, they're just the best. Before you came on, I was actually sort of unwrapping a cream egg and I found myself just sniffing. Well, they smell good. <laughs> just going, oh, yeah, that smells. And you know it's the anticipation of the extra thick chocolate as well. Um, and some people have a certain, I mean, when I was, a, I was saying to when I was um, a kid, I had a, used to have a competition with a friend of mine and we would literally see how many eggs we could eat. Oh, wow. I, I ate four last night, which is probably not recommended for children, but. Um, I know there is so much sugar in them. And I went through a phase when they first came back out again, because now they come out quite early, don't they? Like Boxing Day, they're in the shops already. And I'm always very excited. People complain about that. And I'm like, no, bring the Easter eggs out as early as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went through a phase of buying those packs of five you can get. But then if I've got them in the house, like they're just going to go. Like they can just go so quickly. And then you realize that, like, each one has like your daily amount of sugar in it. I know when I was instantly make me feel good. I was just trying to find out a bit of information. When I say finding out a bit of information, it means looking at Wikipedia. (laughs) (laughs) So they were actually introduced in 1963, which is technically the year of my birthday. Um, uh, Yes. And one of the other things I really loved about the cream eggs as well was the foil, like what you could do with the foil afterwards. So it, that was always a thing. You could use, you wrap the foil around the bottom of the egg and that would stop your fingers from getting really um, sticky. And then I've made, and I've, said, I've showed these to Katie in a photograph earlier on, but I used to make little cups Amazing. from them. <laughs> so that actually, you made egg cups, so you could actually put another cream egg in there. Very, very small. If you have a miniature one. So, a mini one, one of those yeah. mini ones. That was that something I used amazing. to do. So you'd take the foil off very, very carefully and then you'd kind of, you know spread it out with your finger sort of flatten it out a bit and then you'd make it into a tiny little cup um and it just made the whole process of cream eggs and this is your snack and I'm just telling you how much I love them (laughs) that just shows how creative you are in in that sort of arty way as well like that was that I'm always terrible at things like that so I would just not be able to make that cup I don't think I'm not (laughs) We'll just um, give you an excuse just to have another one. Like, I didn't do yeah. that one, right? Let's have oh, another I didn't go. Do it. I'll have another. Yeah. I actually do have a cream egg related story. This will show you how much I love them. When I, I, one of my first jobs for the BBC, I worked for CBBS Radio, making radio programs, and I left to become a presenter. And I'd been working there a few months, and um, one of the there was only three of us on this team, and one of the guys that I was working with, Alex. Um, organize something for me so basically I got into work that morning on my last day there was a cream egg on my desk and it had a little Mm -hmm. note and it was from somebody else in CBB's Nick oh hi it's your last day sorry I'm not in today but I know you love cream eggs so I've left one here for you and I was like oh that's lovely and then his boss came over and said hi Katie I'm going off to London now but I'm just giving you a cream egg and I thought oh how funny he's obviously arranged for his boss to do that and then as the day went on, I was given, I think it was like 48 cream eggs, which is how many you can buy in a big box online by practically everybody in the, I mean, by, by the end of the day, I was just going, yeah, hi, yep, just put it down with the others. Um, the postman brought me one. And that was the moment I realized when the guy who brings the post around the office turned up he knows. with a cream egg in. And I burst in, into like those tears of laughter that you have when you're just like, this is the funniest thing ever. Because it was just hilarious. Um, we went um, for some lunch and the waiter brought me one with everything. <laughs> like this, he orchestrated this so well for my last day because they, and they called me Cakey Cream Egg. That was my nickname. Um, and yeah, 48 cream eggs throughout the day. And that man is now my fiance, Liz. Oh, well, there you go. 
That is a story, <laughs> isn't it? You get married in five months. So the crew egg wooing worked. <laughs> He obviously knew exactly the way to your heart was through the cream egg. He did. He's still buying me cream eggs to this day for Easter. This is the part where I feel like I have to say other snacks are available. Yeah, we have gone on about them a lot. But, um, no, I've also got, not quite enough yet, but there are other variations. So how do you feel about the mini cream eggs as well? Are they yeah, kind of... I, I like them, but not as good. Not as good. I would always favour the, the proper cream egg yeah. yeah it feels like right. it's just it's a it's an appetizer really isn't it it is i tell you what it is with them as well there's a lot of unwrapping for what you get back um because you still got to unwrap every little egg and it feels is that's quite a lot when you've got a full bag of unwrapping to do quite a good snack to share in, in covid for that reason though that you know you can ha- pass them around and people's hands won't touch the actual sweet <laughs> good point that's a very good point yeah and there's also a peppermint cream egg a peppermint egg oh. in new zealand which apparently was discontinued in 2010 not really surprised, no. if I'm honest. No, not uh, Thank you so much for telling us about your snack of choice because I said it's just given me the opportunity to eat, lo- eat a lot of cream eggs. I see why you put this feature into the podcast. Yes, it's brilliant. I would have done the same. We have to eat snacks throughout the podcast. That's the rule. Well, exactly. It's given me. It's, it, it brings up interestingly different stories and. I'm sure there's probably a little bit of something that um, in, about your personalities as well that we show with the snack of choice, I think, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I probably show that I'm still a bit of a child at heart, I think, in all of my snack choices. Like, I, I will still eat turkey dinosaurs and smiley faces and things. There's a, <laughs> there's a lot of me wanting comfort food like that, sort of kid comfort food, and that, that probably does say a lot. Well, I definitely approve of that. So thank you for that. So that brings us nicely on to our Tremendous Tale. Tremendous Tales. Slightly spooky. So yes, we'd love to hear, have you got a tremendous tale that you'd like to share with us? Well, I thought I would tell you just about how I sort of got my job on CBBC because I think that is something that that, um, people are always quite interested in, children and parents alike, whenever I uh, do sort of Q&As and stuff. Everyone's quite interested in in sort of how, and I am as well, I'm fascinated to to know how people got to where they are, you know. Um, So I I alluded to it earlier, you know, when I was a kid, I, I, I wasn't very confident it's hilarious that I do what I do for a living now. My dad says he can't believe it when he sees me on live telly or on stage because when I was in primary school, I was so shy um, that the teachers asked my parents, is she okay? Is everything okay at home? Because she doesn't really speak very much. And that is just hilarious now. that I, I mean, I don't shut up speaking now. You can't shut me up. <laughs> um, I was, yeah, quite shy and, and sort of low in confidence and... I uh, didn't really know what what I was good at, but then the writing and the reading was was what I was praised for by my teachers. And I think when you've got a really good teacher as well, that can really be quite life changing. There's a few mm. teachers I've had in my life who have said things that have stayed with me until today. And I had this one teacher called Mr. McCann, and he said to me, um, "You know, I think you could be a, a writer when you grow up." And I went, "Okay, yeah, great, I'll do that." And I focused on that from from then from that day forward. And then obviously decided, oh, maybe I could be a journalist. That's a a viable way of writing every day and having a nine to five, having a, a career. So I set up on that route really. And I, um, I went to university, I did an English and creative writing degree. And then I did a journalism qualification after that. And I was doing loads of work experience, loads and loads and loads, because I was told it's so competitive. The industry mm. is so competitive. It's so hard to get into, which is, which is true. But I didn't think people probably didn't need to scare me as much as they did. You know, it wasn't quite as, as terrifying as people said. So 
I was doing work experience at sort of community radio stations and this is a really good way to get work experience if you want to be in a creative role because they always need people you know they always need people to, to help out and I started doing the news on there just to get experience in a newsroom and then one day um I was sort of listening to the presenter doing the show and I was thinking well, I never stop talking and I can play music maybe I, maybe I should do that like, that seems really fun it feels like that's just what I do anyway I just talk to my mates and play music so why don't I give it a go so I started doing some some shows but genuinely Liz I never yeah. ever thought oh you could be a presenter you could be a radio presenter it never even crossed my mind and thinking back that might have been because you know I'm from just a very normal background nobody in my family was in that industry mm. nobody in you know I, I didn't live in London you know nobody in my area kind of did those things or maybe because I just didn't feel very confident and I thought oh no you've got to be really attractive or you've got to be really whatever to do that job I never it never crossed my mind when I was doing all of that work experience I was just thinking this is great work experience so I can go to job interviews at the BBC and say look I've worked in this in this world I've done these radio shows da 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 so I ended up getting various jobs for the BBC um one of which obviously I mentioned earlier on um working for CBBC radio and I was also a PA for a couple of years to the two bosses the boss of CBBC and the boss of CBBC and when I got into children's, I was like, wow, this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm a big kid at heart. I can now just watch children's TV programs again. For a <laughs> I can watch Arthur. I can watch Tracy Beaker. What? Are you kidding me? This yeah. is amazing. Get to be a child again. Um, and I, would, I just loved it. And I, I was about to leave that job to go on and be a TV researcher, which is all I wanted to do, you know. Um, yeah. write scripts and help set up shows and make children's programs and my boss said to me one day we were walking back from the Blue Peter studios and we were chatting and she said to me have you ever thought about presenting and I said no and I genuinely hadn't and I always say this now listen and, and I, I think this is hard for anyone to comprehend never mind the younger generation but mm. I had never spoken into a camera ever so that is so strange now because we're all, especially in lockdown, we're all doing Zooms and FaceTimes and things. Mm. And we've all got sort of Snapchat and Instagram stories and TikTok and, and everybody sort of either makes silly videos or at least like FaceTimes their friends or their family. But we didn't do that then. Like there wasn't, we didn't do that. And I had never looked down a camera and sort of delivered a line to it ever. Um so I thought nothing of it. She said to me, have you ever thought about presenting? Would you go for an audition? I was like, oh, yeah, I suppose I would, yeah. And then a couple of days later, the boss of the um, the sort of broom cupboard, the bits in between the shows, yep. <laughs> came over to my desk and said, we've got your audition booked in for Tuesday. And, oh, my goodness, I was terrified. Oh. I remember I had a Halloween party that weekend um, with my friends, and I remember telling them, dressed as a vampire, um, <laughs> and they were all like what you know they couldn't believe it because I'd never expressed a desire to be a tv presenter ever and I remember turning up on that day and saying to myself never be nervous for anything ever again in your life because nothing can be worse than this at the time I was going for lots of job interviews and I, I used to be so scared for job interviews but I was thinking you're just about to go into a room with people you know as well because I worked in this department and have to perform and you've never been a performer and you're gonna have to go in there and act and be silly and be a kids tv presenter all of a sudden and it's so exposing and vulnerable and I hadn't slept I hadn't eaten I was all shaky um I remember I turned 
turned up this I think this is how I really fell in love with makeup as well though because I remember I turned up <laughs> a lovely lovely makeup artist Holly is a good friend of mine now and, and will be doing makeup at my wedding she I had spots on my chin that I think were caused by the fake blood from being a vampire and very very dry lips I think also from the vampire blood and she just used some concealer and some lip conditioner on me and it went away and I was like wow this is amazing um, and I had to go into this studio with Hacker the Dog and basically which is an experience which in is itself an experience anyway an intimidating experience and basically had to deliver a link with him trying to distract me and throw f plastic fish at me and you know just do silly <laughs> things and I suppose now I know that that whole audition was seeing how can you cope with Hacker <laughs> like can you cope with Hacker can you treat him you know like a like a dog can you you know have that interaction with him um, and then, yeah, I got the job and that started off this career that I completely didn't expect that's now led to Radio One and doing my book and doing book club and meeting lovely people like you. And, Aww. you know, it's the, it's the best thing that ever happened to me, but completely just so random and out of the blue. And now I'm like, wow, you know, the first few years in that job, I was like a rabbit caught in the headlights and I mm. was like, wow, what's going on? And I struggled with a lot of aspects of it. But then by the time I was in my, say, last three years of it, I was just having the time of my life, you know, going into work every day, having a laugh with your mates on live TV. It's the best job ever, watching kids' <laughs> programs. Um, and I Gazing thought, into hackers' eyes. Exactly. This is perfectly for me. And I just think it's funny how sometimes in life you think, oh, that job's for me. But you might think that because it's what your parents want you to do or what your teachers say you should do mm. or what you think will earn you a lot of money or, um, or what you think will be a really good job. And then actually life has a funny way of just, taking you down these paths and, and ending you up right where you're supposed to be. And I, I never would have um, planned it that way, but it was perfectly right. Mark and I are doing it like a hooray, <laughs> hooray. <laughs> oh, no, that's so inspiring. And you mentioned the word like confidence quite a lot mm. about like not feeling like you had confidence at all. And I think lots of um, lots of children will probably relate to that. And people just generally, really, just feeling like you don't have the confidence to do something. And it is, you know, I know when I've, um, the first time I ever wrote a book, I remember showing it to uh I think I showed it to my agent and my agent's assistant at the time. Maybe I shouldn't say this, <laughs> but it was, a, you know, I'd never thought about writing at all because I just didn't think I could do it. You know, I was dyslexic. My spelling's rotten. Um, and the thought never crossed my mind at all. And I sort of did this book idea and she comes in, somebody looked at it and she made a comment about like, oh, it's very down market. Or it's not very, you know, basically it's not very good. And to be fair, she was right. It wasn't very good. But I just, I didn't write anything for about a year after that. I just put it away and thought, oh, maybe it's not for me. So I think it's a really good wow. lesson. And it's nice to hear from different people as well that actually, you know, yeah. not, not feeling like you've got the confidence doesn't mean that, you know, if you do something enough and you really love doing it, you will get better. Completely. <laughs> you know? That's amazing to hear as well, because, you know, imagine that. Imagine you'd like that completely put you off and there'd been no Tom Gates. And look yeah. at how, how good it did get. It's incredible. Um, if I'm honest, I still feel like that now. I mean, you know, you talked about seeing yeah. Jacqueline Wilson. Whenever I'm in a room with other authors, I always have that feeling like, you know, I shouldn't really be there. Really? <laughs> you know, someone's going to tap me on the shoulder and go, 
Yes. Okay. Well, you've had your time now. <laughs> Not the real that's authors. How I feel when I'm in a room with Radio One DJ. So it just shows you how everyone. Well, not maybe not everyone. Maybe some people have got that confidence, but for I think for most people, for a lot of people, that never goes away. Mm. Um, and, and which is why I always think in those situations, you need to tell yourself that you need to go. Do you know what? Everyone else in this room is probably feeling exactly the same. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Katie, I've seen you. You know, doing events and have just like been absolutely you know you get up you're so friendly you talk to people you know make it look so easy and I'm always in awe of you doing that so um I think it's it's no honestly I think it's a really lovely way to you know telling everybody about how you started and all the different different aspects of how you began working is a really brilliant story and we really enjoyed that that was a great tremendous tale thank you so much I think that confidence is is everything because I only became a good presenter when I had the confidence to get up there and be like, I, I can do this and I'm good at this. And probably the same with you, with your writing and everything. That confidence is so, so important, which is why it's terrible when the situations like that where you get sort of put down. Um, but that is everything. Believing in yourself and having that confidence to say, yeah, I can do this. I'm good enough to do this. It makes you good at your job. And you, you, it's hard to do a job without that. Well, the idea that I worked on, that to be, like I said, to be fair to her, it wasn't very good. <laughs> she wasn't wrong. It wasn't a very good story. But I actually put it to one side and then I re-looked at it a year later and rewrote it. And then it actually ended up getting published. So there you go. You never know. Oh, amazing. Well, <laughs> J.K. Rowling get Harry Potter rejected like a ridiculous amount of times, which is my yes. favourite fact to tell people because, I mean, that's crazy. The woman has her own theme park now. The woman has... <laughs> several theme parks now i mean i remember going to the wizarding world in florida and thinking and just standing there and thinking i think as well because it's it was started with a book it makes it so much more personal like that started Mm. in one person's head and now there's a roller there's several roller coasters of it it just i couldn't believe the scale of it and it just shows like wow like as if you storytelling and J.K. Rowling could have been put off ever creating these worlds you've created. Everybody's got stories to tell, like everyone. Yeah. Um, and it's just finding a way of getting the stories out of your head and onto a piece of paper in some way or onto a computer that that's that's the hard part. But they're all there, though, definitely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Tremendous fail. OK, so, well, we've heard all about your tremendous tale. Now, would you like to tell us a tremendous fail? Because, like I said, everybody makes mistakes. I know I've made tons. <laughs> it was hard for me to think of a tremendous fail because I have so many. So it was hard for me to pick one because my life is one big fail. <laughs> um, I'm always dropping the balls. I'm always doing things wrong. Um, and I have a lot of train-related uh, mishaps because I get a lot of public, I get a lot of trains traveling around the country, as I'm sure you do as well, Liz. Mm-hmm. You know, well, doing, kind doing of, but I used to. <laughs> used to, yeah, used to. And I have left my suitcase on trains so many times and I'm just, I'm terrible. I mean, once, once I was wearing these slippy shoes with tights and two days in a row, my shoe dropped off as I was stepping onto the train and fell onto the track. That's two happened to me. Has that happened to you? That's, I've got a photograph. I'll send you a picture. Yep, as Amazing. I was... The first day, that a guy hooked it with his umbrella, got it with his umbrella and everyone cheered. And the second day, there was no one around and I had to hobble over to the staff in the train station. They had to get one of those litter pickers and pick it up. But that's not even the story. I have so many. I could write I could write a book. I don't know if anyone would read it, but I could write a book on things that have happened to me on trains. And probably one of the worst ones, I was getting a train to Wales. I think I'm going to have a Gaveni. I think it might have been for a, a book-related event, actually. Mm-hmm. I think it might have been going into a school. 
um, to talk about books. And I was getting the train fairly late on at night. I got on, I put my suitcase down in the carriage rack, um, in the luggage rack, and there was nowhere to sit in that carriage. So I went and sat in the next carriage. And then when I went to get off the train, four hours later or whatever, I went I know to go what's to coming. Court. You know what's coming. I went <laughs> to go to get my suitcase and it was the end of the train. There was no carriage there. And I was like, oh, oh that's no. odd because my case is in that carriage. And no. it was one of the trains that splits off halfway through the journey. Oh, no. And I'd probably been either asleep or listening to music on my headphones, so I hadn't heard that that was happening. So the train had split off and my suitcase had gone to one side of Wales and I'd gone to the other. <laughs> and oh, it was really late at night. My whole life was in that suitcase. And thankfully, the train I told the train driver about it. <laughs> and he obviously felt really sorry for me. And he said, well, this train actually terminates here, but I have to drive the train back um to where your case is so let me just phone through and see if it's okay if you come on the train with me and, and come to that destination and it was okay so then I got my own personal train journey um to go and retrieve my suitcase and ended up getting into Abergavenny very late at night and I was in a lovely hotel as well that's always the way when I'm staying in a hotel that's like a prison cell I'll have like four days in it and when I'm <laughs> a beautiful one I'll have about four hours in it yeah. So that was annoying. Um, but yeah, that's when I learned that day of all the things that have gone wrong on trains, losing shoes, losing suitcases, do not put your case in a separate carriage to you. Always keep your belongings in, you. in and around, around you. And also from that, there's always a way to fix the problem eventually, usually. Yeah. And wonderful people. I always think if I went on Would I Lie to You, that would be a great person to get. You know, when they have the person stood there on Would I Lie to You and you have to say what they what their story is, I think if I could find that train driver. Because um, I remember tweeting that night, I asked him what his name was and I tweeted about him and, and tweeted the sort of the rail company because he was just brilliant. So, yeah, there's always great people to help you out as well in those situations. I think, I think along with the shoe thing that's happened to me, when I said to them, I actually had to wait for the train to leave. I had to miss my train because they had to get the, the shoe picker. And I said, does this happen a lot? And they went, surprisingly. <laughs> Clearly it does. It's happened to both of us. It's happened to me two days in a row. And then after that, I was like, I will not wear these shoes with tights again because clearly the, there's no grip. There's no grip there. Yeah, it was like slow motion. You see your shoe disappearing and you're like, no. Oh, honestly. No. It's... <laughs> That's an extra. That's an excellent, tremendous fail. But I'm very, very, very pleased to hear that you got everything back in the yeah. end. <laughs> Thank you. What's that sound? It's okay, Katie. Let's have a listen, see if you can work out. And um, there is a, a slight theme. We haven't made it completely. There is a little bit of a theme running through okay. this one. <laughs> That's going to be a cream egg rolling along a table. We're, we were going to string that one out and say to everyone at home, like, yeah, can you guess what it is? You'll never guess what it is. Oh, Casey, sorry. you've done it straight away. That's amazing. <laughs> well, because you said there was a theme, I was like, I was maybe excited something a bit cream eggy. And then, yeah, that, a distinctive noise of your cream egg rolling across the table. See, I told you I know my cream eggs. You certainly do, don't you? Yeah. Like the, if it's on a tilt and you can imagine it rolling down towards you really yeah. quickly. Well, well done. Hooray. That's it. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm sure you get lots of children writing to you as well. Um, but I've got a letter here that I was going to read out. And this is from Jasper. Um, and so Jasper's saying, thank you for the Zoom. I loved doing the doodles. So like you as well, I was doing lots of sort of different events and Zooms over the last few months. But um, Jasper has made, and um, I will take a picture of this and put this up. Look, at Jasper's made me a, a magnet. Oh, wow. I know. So I'm now showing Katie the magnet, which I said I'll take a picture of. Um, And he just, he was just sort of saying how much he was enjoying the books and various other things. So, but I was just particularly impressed. He's drawn it. Yeah. I actually don't know. It's a, I've actually been using it. Jasper, I've been using it to stick notes up on things. I just thought it was incredibly impressive. So, it's not only about books and stories and things. I really love the fact that um, children are, have been getting creative and I think they've been doing a lot more of that over the last few months as well. Did you notice yeah, that at all? Yeah, completely. In fact, we, we did a show, I think we did a show and a podcast about it, about creativity for your mental health for that reason that, um, you know, we talked a bit about how actually when you're a child, you are sort of encouraged to draw and to write and to paint and all these things. And then when you maybe get a little bit older, maybe when you get to being a teenager and then an adult, perhaps if it's not your job to do those things anymore, you stop doing them for fun. Um, and I actually joined a live paint along um, in lockdown and I have never been, I mean, art was my worst subject at school. I'm, I'm the only time this says everything about me. The only time I got uh, an A in art in school was when we had to write an essay about an artist. So I could write, but I couldn't draw or paint or um, I just, the, oh, those, you say that. Know, obviously, <laughs> that's not something that comes naturally to me. I think I'm not very patient with um, hands-on things. So sort of, you know, creating something with my hands. I'm not very good at that. Um, but I joined this paint along and it, it didn't matter. Like it was so relaxing. It was so mm. relaxing to watch an artist paint and then you get the different paints and you paint along. And I thought, oh, this is brilliant. And actually that's something we talked about on our show is that, you know, you don't have to be the best person at it. It doesn't have to be something that makes you money or goes on to be your career one day. If you just enjoy painting, drawing, you know, making things out of clay like whatever it is it doesn't have to be like oh I'm amazing at it if it gives you a good feeling and you find it relaxing and it's like a form of meditation for you then yeah that's that's absolutely right I mean it's really fun because most children especially when they start at nursery and reception you know they're always doing like lots of nice creative things you know making things and then there's some way along and they still enjoy it in primary school and I think what tends to happen is a lot of kids go to secondary school, they suddenly get that thing where like, oh, it's not for them, or they don't mm-hmm. do it anymore, or it doesn't, or their drawings don't look like what they're supposed to. Um, and they stop drawing. And it's such a shame, because there's so many different other creative things they can do, not just not just Maybe. drawing, but making yeah. things, you know, sewing or, uh, or making, you know, foil cups. <laughs> yeah, and I think it starts to become about, yeah, make foil cups out of your wrappers. Yeah. Um, it starts to become about what am I good at? Um, you know, so I, I was like, oh, well, art is a subject I'm not I'm not getting good grades at, therefore that's not for me. Um, but actually that doesn't mean that in my free time I can't just make some stuff that, you know, I'm not going to sell it. It's not going to be my my new career path. But if I enjoy it and it relaxes me, then that's great. So exactly. I think a lot of people were finding that in lockdown. Lots of gardening happening, lots yep. of new sort of lots of walking lots of new sort of physical hobbies that you can do outdoors I think people um did and people had the time to find those things I guess for a change yeah no that's absolutely and I've I've got another letter here um this one's been sent by Ethan 
So I was just, I picked out this one because, and his sister, Eloise. So they've obviously done a lot of travelling. Um, so they've been, so this was in the next couple of years, uh, we went travelling to 10 countries, Thailand, UK, D Dubai, Sri Lanka, wow. Iceland, uh, Vietnam, Spain, Malaysia, wow. South Thailand, I know, a lot of travelling. And they also did lots of litter picking every day on the beach in Thailand. And then when they moved back to uh, the UK, um, Ethan went off and did four times a week. He did litter picking and joined his eco-council for two years in a row and helped push for less plastic in his school and less paper. And he suggested all different kinds of things. And some of the things that he suggested the school have actually taken up on. So I was very impressed with that. I thought, well done, Ethan. That's amazing. Well I done, Ethan. Like, I mean, actually, we were just saying that. I, I read something the other day um, from Emma, who's the, who presents Woman's Hour, writing about how litter picking is her new hobby because she's kind of combined walking, like everyone's going out walking, trying to get their exercise with the litter picking, and then you also have that feeling of, oh, I'm doing something good. I'm doing something good for the world. Um, so that's oh, yeah, Don't get me started on that, Katie, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my experience with litter pickers, of course, is uh, them being used to collect my shoe from the railway <laughs> lines. So they're multi-use. You can pick up litter and shoes with them. I'm always sort of, you know, going around, because we live down in Brighton, so, like, you know, litter on the beach, litter, litter everywhere. I'm always sort of grumbling about that, aren't I? Yeah, it just really spoils everyone's fun. And like, it oh. spoils the, the, the beauty of, of it. Yeah, get rid, definitely. That's amazing that Ethan's been doing that. My primary school was like an eco school um, and won loads of eco awards, so we were always kind of out doing a lot of that, bit picking in the... Well, I'll the... definitely be sending Ethan a little... We've got a little... Um, special eco badge at Tom Gates oh. I've kind of you know it's in in the inspiration of the blue peter badges I've got some yeah. different colored badges so I'll be sending Ethan one of those yeah oh, my really? my dad was always um very keen on uh making sure that people picked up their litter and it was also always a source of huge embarrassment to me but now I look back at it you know he would be the person who would um stop people in the street if he saw somebody dropping yeah, litter so he'd tell them off I think yeah. you dropped something. Yeah, <laughs> Just... good for him. Good for him. And I'd be I like, oh, God, Dad, don't. Like that as you get older. When you're younger, that's so embarrassing to you and you can't think of anything worse. I am more and more becoming like somebody who will complain. <laughs> yeah. Like my mum, whereas I'd be so embarrassed about that. I'm like, Mom, no, it's fine. Don't complain about it. <laughs> no, 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 that was definitely my dad. In fact, I remember actually dropping something once at a fairground. Uh, I think it was a plastic ring or something that I'd won in a box. And I remember thinking as a kid, thinking, oh, I don't really like that, and dropping it on the ground. And my dad's saying, where's that ring? And I said, oh, I didn't like it. And he was so furious with me. I still remember wow. it. He marched me back, right? <laughs> marched me back and made me pick it up and said, if you don't like it, you know, so you never drop things on the floor like that. And I think, oh, God, wow. I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> I bet you know, I was going to say, I bet you never did that again. No. That stayed with you, definitely. <laughs> so have you got a tremendous book that you'd like to recommend for us? Yeah, I'm going to recommend um, this book. It's called Jamie McFlair versus the Boy Band Generator. Oh, I've not um, heard of that. Yeah, and this is, well, it's a friend of mine, but it is just a good book. I'm not just recommending it just because they're a friend. <laughs> it is a good book. It's by a friend of mine called Luke Franks, um, who has done various bits of, of sort of kids TV presenting and bits of Radio 1 and stuff as well. Um, and he's done this with a friend of his, Sean Thorne. So Luke Franks and Sean Thorne. Um, and it's about, and this is just so something that, you know, just made me smile because this is something that we imagine maybe happens it's about a boy at school and uh, his uncle, Barry Big Time. 
course. Um, yeah, <laughs> who um, is basically a band manager. And he mysteriously turns some average kids from school into uh, the biggest boy band. And uh, it's basically about this boy band generator that he's using and uh, and how Jamie has to try and stop him because it's not good. It's not good for the music industry. It's not good for the world. <laughs> um, Based on so, a bit of truth there, by any I, chance. I think probably also because Luke and Sean, I think, have both done lots of radio and worked very much in the world, worked with pop stars and things like that. So I imagine they, their inspiration must come from uh, come from that. But yeah, it's a brilliant book. Really, really funny. Um, Excellent. So yeah, great for any for, yeah for anyone who's sort of that that sort of Tom Gates fan. Um, as I'm sure all your listeners are, I'm sure they'll enjoy yeah. that. <laughs> not, necessarily, <laughs> not necessarily. We're open to everyone here. Um, that's <laughs> okay. We'll make sure we'll we'll make sure we'll we'll put a link up or we'll put a photograph of of the book and make sure that everyone knows knows about that book. Excellent. Shameless plug. So, Katie, this is also your opportunity as well. Uh, we're going to hand over the floor to you to for your shameless plug, for you to talk about anything that you're doing at the moment, any book you want to talk about, any podcast, anything that you'd like to tell our listener listener about. It's over to you. This is your chance for your shameless plug. Well, I think I will just tell you all to listen to my radio show because that is the thing that I'm sort of consistently doing every week and... I love it. So it's called Life Hacks and it's every Sunday afternoon from 4pm. And it's myself and uh, the lovely Vic Hope, also a scholastic author. Yes, um, Yeah. And we talk about life. It does what it says on the tin, really. We talk about whatever's going on in the world, but it's particularly for young people. You know, it's for teenagers, it's for students, it's for 20-somethings. It's for that age range. And we talk about whatever is going on in the world. It might be mental health. It might be physical health. It might be how the pandemic's affecting us. It might be exams and exam stress and uh, going off to uni. It might be relationships, you know, everything to do with life uh, we chat about on there. And we also have a series of podcasts um, out on BBC Sounds. So if you search for Life Hacks on BBC Sounds, you'll find the show and also the podcast. And actually recently we recorded a load of extra podcasts called the Lockdown Wellbeing Series. And it was basically about just all the different things that people might be going through in lockdown and we've just done another 12 episodes that focus particularly on careers because we know that it's been a really hard Mm. time for young people you know they might have had their exams cancelled they might not have been able to go off to uni as they thought or or get a job or get work experience you know all those kind of experiences for teenagers and and young people who are starting their careers have been completely um changed by the pandemic so we've done episodes on um, how to deal with rejection, how to apply for jobs, how to get work experience, how to write the best CV. And they're just really like practical 15 minute episodes with experts, with careers experts about how to uh, navigate all those things. So that is my shameless plug. Basically, okay. just search for life hacks and you can find all of that. <laughs> See, look. That was absolutely expertly done and it sounds really brilliant and well worth listening to. Um, there's plenty of really incredibly good advice there and we'll probably get, get our daughter to have a listen to that, won't we? Oh. She's just finished uni. <laughs> Katie, thank you so much. We've taken up so much of your time already. You've been absolutely brilliant. We loved listening to your stories, um, everything and all the advice, listening to the book recommendation. Um, super impressed that you got, got guessed what's that sound so quickly. We're going to have to make them harder, I think. <laughs> um, I know that um, children who write in, we all send badges to them. So I'm going to be sending Katie. You know, her. You've got your own special... Yeah! 
Tom Gates creative badge there. I'll be popping that in the post to you. Oh, there we I can't are. Wait that <laughs> we much. might put a few Cadbury's cream eggs in there as well. <laughs> Maybe not 48, but... <laughs> no, 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 that would be excessive. That would be so quite much. funny, though. <laughs> yeah, it would, definitely. Oh, thank you so much. It has been such an honour to be asked to be on Aww. your podcast. Honestly, it really has. It's so lovely to, to get to No, chat the honour's all ours, honestly. No. We're thinking, oh, my God, Katie's doing it. This is no, brilliant. We better up our game. <laughs> I was so excited when I got the email. Always, always would want to do something with you. So thank you. It's been really lovely to chat. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please do like and subscribe. And I've been told that it really helps other people to find it. And I would love as many children as possible to hear from these amazing creative people that I've talked to and to get inspired to pick up a pen, a pencil, get creative, make up their own stories just like we've done. So thanks very much for listening. Bye.